ACAC family. How are you guys doing? Great. I hope you guys had a wonderful Christmas. Uh, ours were uh, wonderful, but a, a bit of a traveling. We drove 2,500 uh, miles to uh, be with our oldest kid, and, uh, but it was a blessed time. So thank you for having me here one more time. It is a privilege and an honor to be here to share with you all what the Lord had spoke to me first. I want to thank the ACAC leadership, Blaine and all the pastors here, Pastor Allen, for their trust and for the opportunity to share with you. It is an honor uh, to me to be here. As Glenn said, my name is Rogerio, but I normally go by Roger to make everybody's life easier. Roger Torres, I am the executive. Oops. I am the executive director of Christian Immigration Advocacy Center. And this nonprofit that was started by the church, as he mentioned, okay, uh, willing to serve the immigrant community, providing, using law as a tool to reach them with the gospel. That's our goal. But we do in a way that is different. We deliver the law with the compassion of Christ. We listen to their stories. We pray with them. Okay, we walk alongside with them, and that becomes a bond that opens up ways for us to get even uh, to achieve the goal that we wanted, which is to share the gospel with them. But we can only do that with your help. Again, we are a nonprofit, and uh, as Blaine mentioned, we are at the max of our capacity, and there is much more to be done. In order to do that, we need you. So please. Come along with us. 2022 is about to be gone. 2023 is almost here. It is a time that most people look back and do an evaluation of the year ending, make some adjustments, take some decisions, resolutions for the year starting. They call this New Year's resolutions, right? The most common New Year resolutions, according to researchers, are okay, year after year, being healthier is consistently the most popular New Year's resolution. The second one, saving money, is also very popular New Year resolution. Okay, uh, So being healthier and saving money, almost in all lists. Um, numbers, a little number, statistics here. The most popular resolutions for 2022, okay? Living healthier, 23%. Personal improvement, 21%. In the year 2021, exercising and improving fitness was 50% on the list. And losing weight, 48. The most popular for 2020, we're exercising again and saving money, okay? Um, so in 2020, one of the most popular New Year's resolution was to eat healthier. 44% of uh, the United King Kingdom respondents choose this resolution. Polish were 44%, and Americans 43%. Everybody wants to eat healthier. That's becoming a challenge, right, with inflation, right? 
Every time you go to the store, the prices are different and never down. <laughs> In 2019, one survey found that uh, more than half of Americans want to be healthier. 59% of them want to exercise more. I am one of them. 54% uh, said they would eat healthier and 48% resolved to lose weight. But you, you may be thinking, why am I saying that? Why self-evaluation? Why resolutions are important? Because when we do a self-evaluation, if we are honest, we can always see room for change, for improvement. For myself, a big moment of self-evaluation was before uh, Glenn mentioned that I came to uh, the United States. I was still in Brazil when I did this evaluation and I realized that my actions did not align with my words. I claimed to be a Christian, but I was doing some shady stuff. Until that day that I said, that's not right. It cannot be this way. So, spoke with my wife and together we made a resolution and decided to leave everything behind and to start a new life here in U.S., a place that we didn't know. We had visited one time, but that was it. We didn't speak very good English back then. We didn't know many people. And our goal was to live a life completely dependent on the Lord. If there was disalignment in my life, now I want alignment in every point of my life. And so we did. And I believe this is the resolution that every Christian must make to fulfill the purpose we are all here for. I believe it is urgent. And I want to talk about it today. As Christians, living out our faith is getting harder and harder, right? We can feel that, okay? It would be great if at the moment we say yes and confess and accept that Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we would be taken into heaven with him, right? Like one of the thieves at the cross. Jesus said to him, today you will be in paradise with me. He didn't have to face, he was in a bad spot, right? But he didn't have to face what we have to every day. But for most of us, that's not normal. This is not the case. We are still here after that decision. But now, with a mission to accomplish, a duty to fulfill. The last time I spoke, I said that God had called each one of us to go and do something. Do you remember? Matthew 28, 18 until 20. To go, and as we go, we should make disciples, right? What I'm saying is, we are all here on earth on a mission, this is not an option if you 
profess you are a Christian, okay? It is not like on the spy movies, okay, that every mission presented to the agent comes with the option. If you decide that you accept, right, then after the message explodes, right? Now, that's not for us. For Christians, this is not an option. In the moment we say, yes, Jesus, come, be the Lord of my life, we have this commission. We cannot delegate it. To our pastors, to the leadership of our church, we cannot get out of it. I know that accepting this mission can be scary for most of us. And fear can keep us away from fulfilling God's will in our lives. But we, but when we understand the one who sent us on this mission, when we trust in God's faithfulness as he promised, you will see all the doors opening and provision being made for all our needs along the way. And that will enable us to fulfill our mission. Last time, I shared my own experiences to show God's faithfulness to me and my family. When we say yes and obey his call. Yes. Our mission is scary. Moses was scared. And he tried to find many excuses. Right? Gideon was scared and asked for proof. Asking God for proof. But one thing was always present in all of these occasions. God's faithfulness. And it always made the mission possible. Today I want to build up on the call we all have. And talk about two metaphors that Christ used to help us, his followers, understand our mission in the world. It helps us to answer the question, why are we still here? Why are we not with him in paradise already? Okay, so let's go read the text that I'm going to be using today. Matthew 5, 13 to 16. You're going to see on the screen. If you want to, you can follow with me. You are the salt of the earth. But... If salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let me pray. Lord, as I open up your words today. You know my heart, Lord. You know that I am not capable of sharing anything. 
So I ask you, through your Holy Spirit, to be the one speaking through me. I am just a nobody into that offer himself for you to use. I am an instrument for you to accomplish what you want. So may it be established tonight. May you speak through me. May they understand every single word that I'm saying, even if I mispronounce them. Which may happen. So, Lord, I ask your will to be established. Use me as you wish. And bring glory and honor to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. So, the first metaphor Christ used, Christ used, sorry. <laughs> it's funny, right? I just said that. <laughs> you are the salt of the earth. Jesus had just started his earthly ministry and was addressing his future disciples with this message. And he used two well-known elements, salt and light, as metaphors to describe those who would follow him, his followers, Christians, as we call ourselves today. What he was saying is, I have created you and called you to make a positive impact on the world. Okay, but why salt? Right? We know that salt is a chemical element, result of the combination of sodium and chloride. And it's mostly known as table salt. Right? We use them for cooking and, you know, salads and other uh, things as well. Okay? Um, but if you look at what salt is, perhaps you will not understand the metaphor. But if you look at what salt does, we will understand this metaphor and why Christ used it to describe a follower of him. Okay, so let's look what uh, the dictionary says. According to the Webster Dictionary, salt has many properties. And I, I highlighted three of them. Okay, the first one, to treat, provide, or season. Okay, to bring the flavor of something, right? Can we normally eat food without salt? Has no flavor, right? But a little bit of salt makes a huge difference. Brazilians are meat eaters. We love grill. And we only grill our meat with salt. We don't put anything else. And it makes a whole difference. If you had had a steak, a Brazilian steak, you know what I'm talking about. The second to preserve. You may be too young to remember, but perhaps some of us will remember the days that refrigerators were not available. What would we do to preserve food? We would use salt, right? If you like beef jerky, you'd know that it's still being used today. And I used to do one special um, cured uh, meat that uh, we love in Brazil as well. I put it covered with salt in every single, you know, part of the, the meat and live for seven days. 
After that, I take, and then it's ready. And it's good. But then, you know what happened? It can stay out of the refrigerator for six months or more. And it will not spoil. Isn't that amazing? And to supply. Supply us food for an animal. I'm not sure if here in America you guys do, but in Brazil, they still use a lot of salt to feed cows. Okay? Um, so it can be food as well. Not for us. We can die if we eat. Okay? So don't do that, please. But for animals, it's okay. But Christ uses this metaphor of salt because in the ancient world, there was much more meaning to it. It was a valuable commodity. Okay? It was used to make covenants. Roman soldiers were often paid with salt. That's where we get the saying, he is not worth his salt. Salt is a preservative. We are the preservative of the world. Our culture cannot salt itself. Left to itself, it can only decay and deteriorate. What is then Jesus saying to us? Is he saying that he wants us, his people, Christians, to season, to preserve and supply this word? The answer is yes. That's what he is saying. We must bring what brings the flavor out of people. We must preserve this word and be the necessary supply that will make this world healthier. Is our mission important? Of course it is. It is essential. All God's creation is important and valuable to him. In Luke 10, 19, Jesus himself declared his mission was for the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. So spiritually speaking, can we say with certainty that the world is lost, right? Sin has separated us from God. Isaiah reminded us that. We are separated from God. The world left to itself under the dominion of our enemy, Satan, is only decaying, but we are the reason it is not completely lost, because we were commissioned to preserve, to season, and to be the supply it needs to fulfill God's purpose, and to point them to Christ and his sacrifice at the cross for each human being. So Jesus is telling his disciples to be salt but he also gives us a very hard warning. At the last part of the first verse of the passage, it says, but. And I want you to pay attention. It's in green there for that reason, okay? But. We are to be salt. But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out 
and trampled under people's feet. So let us be honest now. When we look to the world today, what do we see? Do we see its good flavor? Do we see it preserved? Do we see it healthy? If we honestly can say that the answer to this question is yes, then we had fulfilled our mission here. And, but I'm afraid that the answer is no. So my next question is, are Christ's followers losing its saltness? You don't need to answer that, okay? That's for you to think. But the gospel message is confrontational. We need to tell people that they need to repent of their wrongdoings and turn to God. But instead... We have a tendency, and nowadays we don't want to offend anybody, so we don't preach the truth. We tend to follow the trends of the world. We want to be included by them. We are being influenced by instead of influencing it. Brothers and sisters, we are called to lead, not to be led. And we can miss the point. We can sin by action or by omission. I always remind myself that by action, when we do what we are not supposed to, and by omission, when we don't do what we are supposed to do. If you look outside of our church walls, Every direction you look, you will see decay. Every bad statistic is growing and getting out of control. Homelessness, crime, the opioid crisis, and sin are everywhere and growing. Why? I believe it is because we are not being what we are called for. We are not bringing the good flavor out of the wood. We are not preserving it. We are not being salt. Brothers and sisters, there is rebelliousness against God in every direction you look at. Every good thing God created is facing fierce rebelliousness in our world today. We raise our kids to be independent, and later we complain that they abandon us. But we were not created to be independent. We were created to be social beings, and the most desired relationship was initiated by our Creator, by God in the Garden of Eden. God would come every day to talk face to face with men. Can you believe it? What privilege was that? And men exchange that privilege for a lie. And sin came in place. 
and broke that relationship to a point that we could not fix the problem ourselves. And God, in his mercy, sent his son, Jesus Christ, and he voluntarily paid the death sentence that was upon us because of our sins and offer himself to die for us at the cross, allowing us to have this relationship with the Father restored. Marriage, family, gender, and the church are under constant attack. They were all created by God, and they are all good, but they are despised by the world. Our enemy is distorting all good things God created. And he has been doing this from the beginning. The problem is too many Christians are falling for his lies. It is time for us to wake up and be what Christ called us to be. It is time to get out of our comfort zone, brothers and sisters. It is time to be salt and it is time to be light. Our laziness allow God to be taken away from school. But when there is a mass shooting in one of them, God is blamed for not preventing it. We hear, where was God? I answer, God was outside. He's not allowed to enter there. And he respects our decisions. See the importance of we being salt. The second metaphor Christ used in this passage. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket. But on a stand and it gives light to all in the house. And again, perhaps this metaphor of being light is not as easy for us modern people to understand as it was for our ancestors. We have too many artificial lights around us all the time. But for a Jew, it was not hard to grasp. They did not have many artificial lights available to them. And a typical lamp in a Jewish home was fairly small. Because it was small, to get better results, it must be placed on a stand at a higher point to give maximum results. Again, I went to the dictionary. The Webster has definitions for light. One of them is light is something that makes vision possible. Another definition is spiritual illumination. And it caught my attention that you explain the second one. They use, they quote John 1, 5. The apostle John. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. In this passage, John 1, 1 through 5. The apostle John makes the point that Christ existed from the beginning. And everything was created to him. And without him, nothing that was created could be created. And on verse 4 and 5, he says that Jesus Christ was life. And 
Life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Jesus Christ was life, and the life was the light of man. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Darkness has not overcome it. What is darkness? Some people will claim that darkness does not exist. But the dictionary again says that uh, darkness is the partial or total absence of light. But there is also another definition that darkness is weakness, wickedness, or evil. Two very opposite definitions, right? One is of a physical element that we can see with uh, our eyes, we can perceive. The other is spiritual. We cannot perceive with our eyes, but we can sense in our spirit and we can sure see the result of wickedness and evil. I do not think that Jesus Christ was talking about Christians being a physical light. He was talking about us being a spiritual light. And if that's the case, I'm afraid we are missing the point. Again, if our eyes are open for what is happening around us, we would agree that we are living in a very dark, a very evil time. Right? The vision has never been higher. You can name. It's black and white. It's, you know, red and blue. It's all kind of ones. Inequality at every level. Rebelliousness is skyrocketing. And evil desires are not even hidden anymore. They talk about them openly. Why? Because it is be, being accepted as normal. The biblical, the biblical values are being replaced by wicked ones. It is all inverted. Wrong is right. Evil is good. But that's wrong. It seems like darkness is overcoming light. And that breaks my heart because there is a problem here. Darkness cannot overcome light. It is impossible. But perhaps the enemy is telling this lie to us, saying that we do not have or cannot be these lights. And many of us perhaps are believing it. And this is keeping us from obeying Jesus Christ. But brothers and sisters, if that's the case, rebuke it now in Jesus' name. Listen, listen to Jesus' words in John 8, 12. He said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will, say with me, will have the light of life. Jesus is saying that if you are his follower, what do you have? You have the light of life. Say, I have the light of life. With conviction. I have the light of life. Christ is the light of life. And you already have it. It's in you. 
You just need to let it shine. Remember growing up on Sunday school, that little song? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. This little light of mine. Let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. Did we forget? Brothers and sisters, the family you were born into, the education you were able to get, the career you choose, the home you have, the gifts, your gifts and talents uh, you have are not only a circumstance nor a coincidence in your life. They are all God's providence for you, for your life. And they are to be used for his glory. He strategically placed you there where you are. So you would be light there. So you would make a difference. So you would lead, not be led. You are to be light, whatever you are. And because of you, whatever you step your food is, blessed. It is a promise we have. We must stop begging for crumbs. When we are sons and daughters of God and we are coerced with Christ, we must stop listening to Satan's lies and start believing in God's promises. We must be lights. The world is desperate, begging for lights. And we are commanded to be the lights they need. I am almost finishing. I just need two more hours. <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm finishing. So, we are in this time of the year that people look back and uh, do this. New Year's resolution thing. If you normally do that, that's good. If you don't do it, I would encourage you to start doing today. But I would beg you to have those two resolutions as first and second place in your list. First, be salt. Second, be light. If these two are not in these positions in your list, no matter what comes after, we just heard recently, it will be a chasing against the wind. You will be wasting your life. And it is too precious. Jesus Christ had commissioned us to go. And as we go, we must make disciples. He commissioned, he commissioned us to be salt and light in this world. It's our responsibility. Christ started it. And we must carry out this mission. It is our privilege to do that. It is our privilege to do that. And we must do it. Remember? But remember also that privileges. If we don't obey if we misuse, what happens with privilege? Privileges can be taken from us. 
And the Bible warns us, if we do not obey, this privilege will be taken from us and will be given to the rocks. What a shame that will be. Right? But I want you to think about another passage and another great man, another great leader, Joshua. In Joshua 24, he, after they conquer the promised land, Joshua brought to the Israel, Israelites' attention all that God had done. All God's faithfulness in fulfilling all his good promises to them. And he called them to fear the Lord. He called them to choose who they would serve that day. I don't need to remind you of all the good things that the Lord has done into your life. All the promises he had fulfilled. The fact that you are here tonight is one of them. But Joshua said to them, no matter who will you choose. And the choice was, you would serve the Lord, the one that had delivered, that had fulfilled everything he had promised to you. Or the God of the people who live around here. Who are idols. And he said, no matter who you will choose. And he said this word, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Me and my family, we had made that decision. And that's why we are here. But this is a message for us. A message that calls action. And my question to you tonight is, are you ready to make your choice. Time is running short. The world is in desperate need for us. Christians to be salt and to be light. To make a difference here. The title is to be influencers. Called to be influencers, right? But not the digital ones that we see out there. So common nowadays. We are to be spiritual influencers to this world. Do not wait any longer. We must be light. We must be salt. And if you wanted to make this uh, decision today, that's great. Okay, If you would stand up with me, I would pray uh, with you and for you. And we would finish this. So. so, Lord, as I come to you, I just reaffirm the choice I have made. That I would serve you. And no other. That my words will be aligned with my actions. So you would get the glory. Not myself. Until this day I do not even understand why you called me. I don't think I had nothing to offer. But you seem to see something in me that I don't see myself. And I just want to thank you Lord. For choosing me. Because that's the truth. You. Chose me first. And then. I followed you. 
So if there is anyone here, Lord, facing these decisions tonight, I pray that they will choose you as well. ACAC is in need of all the faithful servants you had enlisted in these arms here. We are just about to finish the hub. And with that, a lot of opportunities. And we need to be light and salt in this community. It is desperate claiming for it. So help us, Lord. I pray a blessing over every single one that is listening to this message today. And I pray that doors will be opened for them, the ones that they are praying for, so they will know that you haven't changed and your promises are still being fulfilled to this day, every single one of them, and will never be otherwise. Because you promised that you would never abandon us, that we would never be alone. Even if we had to face the valley of death, you would be with us. So thank you, Lord. I pray that this two resolutions will be in every single one of your children for this coming year to be salt and to be light and I pray this prayer in the mighty and powerful name of your son Jesus Christ 